greet you in Jesus' name this morning. We're going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. We have the message first. And so the order of the service will be message, then a prayer, Sunday school devotion, Sunday school verses, offering song, announcements, and dismissal. So it's kind of backwards, but you kind of do things backwards, but you're not allowed to take money out of the offering. All right? So, um, I have to be in Plain City Monday afternoon, and I don't want to drive all the way to Holmes County to get a place overnight. So, I'm going to light it today, and I'm trying to beat some ice. So, turn me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, uh, just a few verses. Uh, put our sermon this morning in perspective. The title of the message, Will You or I Celebrate a Hijacked Christmas? Luke 2. I'm just pick a few verses out. I'm not here uh, to preach on this passage. Uh, Maybe we'll do six. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now try to get that frame of reference of the birth of Christ. And of course, the shepherds glorifying Christ, glorifying God, and telling everyone. And then the reaction of Simeon, I found, was interesting. In uh, verse 25, when he meets Joseph and Mary in the temple with Christ, in verse 25, And this is Simeon's response to the arrival of Christ, the birth of Christ. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, a very godly man. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Joseph's mother married marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall not be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I'll stop right there. Notice the setting, the reactions, to the birth of Christ. Will you or I celebrate a hijacked Christmas? Well, what does the word hijack mean? 
I was surprised at some of the definitions. Uh, one, uh, I'll just read them. Uh, number one, to steal by stopping a vehicle on a highway. So, or to commandeer, especially by coercing the pilot at gunpoint. Uh, uh, airplane. That's where we usually think of something being hijacked is an airplane. Of course, 9-11 pops into our mind, uh, the biggest one. You don't hear much of that in the United States. In fact, uh, if you look at the recent hijackings, they're mostly somewhere else. Or to stop and steal from. So, vehicle moving, it's stopped and they're robbed. Uh, or to kidnap. Definition number two is to steal or rob as if by hijacking. B, that's A, B is to subject to extortion or swindling. So we have this vehicle, usually the vehicle included of some sort, and this vehicle is stopped and either taken completely or robbed of its contents. Uh, if it's an airplane, somebody usually has a gun or a knife or something, and now they can't get to the pilot anymore. Uh, but they, they, they try to get some legitimate form of transportation, usually, uh, and force it to function in a way it's not intended to function. Or if the, if the truck is going down the road and somebody stops it and they take the driver at gunpoint and they back another vehicle up and they unload. So he's left with the vehicle, but his contents are gone. So in some way or some form, the Somebody is swindling, somebody is forcing someone to do that what they don't want to do. So how would you feel this morning if you were on an airplane going from here to who knows where, and the pilot came over to intercom and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this airplane is presently being hijacked. Like so, yeah, well, I guess another good day at the ranch or whatever, you know. You, no, it would cause you, it would cause me, I, in 9-11 I found myself laying in bed and saying, now if I was on that airplane, what would I have done? I, I you know, and I would feel myself tensing up. So the question this morning, how many here this morning believe that America has hijacked Christmas? So how do you feel about that? Am I comfortable with that? Is that okay? Do I feel comfortable in a 
consumer-driven culture that has hijacked Christmas. Am I going to ride along? Or am I going to get off? Am I willing to take the stigma? Does the consumerism of Christmas pump me up? Or does the consumerism of Christmas make me sad? And when I think of Christmas, are my first thoughts material things or are my first thoughts the birth of my Savior, the one that came, the one that humbled himself and came down and lived a life and gave his blood so that this wretched sinner like me could find life, could find salvation. And we may say, well, we don't do Santa Claus and we don't do Christmas trees. But the question still remains, am I being swindled? Am I being robbed? What is in my Christmas vehicle? Has somebody stole the content? And I'm just cruising down the road? Is Christmas taking me places I don't want to go? Is Santa Claus the hijacker? Or could it be? Just could it be that I am the hijacker? I'm taking Christmas places that it's not supposed to go. You see, some people say, well, the whole Christmas thing. You know, they fill out the vehicle, the contents, the whole nine yards. And they, and, and they say that's the solution to the problem. I don't think so. I don't think so. What are the indications of a hijacked Christmas? Well, I believe the first indication of hijacked Christmas is one I just thought of. If, if the first thing that comes to my mind when the word Christmas is said is gifts, then I am being hijacked. I am. Because Christmas is not primarily about gifts. See, I've got a priority problem. I've been hijacked into a priority problem. I believe that, and I'll kind of stick my neck out here a little bit, but I believe if the present generation is struggling with a hijacked Christmas, it's probably because the parents have something to do with that. Now that doesn't excuse me 
and say, well, my parents celebrated Christmas this way, and, and you know, and so because of that, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. That, that doesn't give us any excuse for that. But it does tell us that we as parents have our work cut out for us when it comes to understanding what true Christmas is all about and being a living example and modeling it to our posterity. And we have to understand the fact clearly that there is a possibility that we can not only hijack our Christmas, we can hijack our children's Christmas. Taking all of us in places we shouldn't be going. We have that possibility. Number two, my Christmas has been hijacked when I lose a godly view of material things. Uh, the old saying is, the, man, the person with the most toys wins. Well, I don't believe that's true. In fact, the matter, the way I read my Bible, the whole tenor of the scripture would lead me to believe that the exact opposite may be true. The more toys I have, the less likely I'll be what God wants me to be. More toys increase the possibility of me losing. And not just losing, but tragically losing, eternally losing. So if we want to be winners for God, if you want to be a winner, if I want to be a winner for God, we are going to have to have our material possessions in the right perspective, have them just the way God has them. Necessary, but not on top. Put them way down, because someday they're all going to be lit up. I ran across a concept in my studying that really, really, challenge me. Some people give gifts at Christmas. Some people don't give gifts at Christmas. I, I believe that I, I honor anybody that does whatever they feel the Lord wants. Our family gives some small gifts at Christmas. And I read this quote, Never give anyone anything that overpromises and underdelivers. Now you think that through. Never give anything, anybody anything that overpromises and underdelivers. If you give your child a toy, and that child plays with that toy in ten minutes, it is sitting there. You have given them something that overpromised and underdelivered. Now, if you give them something that stimulates their thinking, and I don't know what all it is today, but in my days it was Tinker Toys and Erector Sets. All right? You got all these 
little flat things that are bent and then and you have all the bolts and the nuts and the and the little pulleys and the shafts and the whatever and we rob a motor out of some kind of a 12 uh, I mean a uh, uh, one and a half volt gizmo of some sort and we tape it on there and put a rubber band onto the pulley and they make sawmills and all kinds of stuff you know use dynamite you anybody know what dynamite wire is I from the east. I don't know how they do it now, but they had these little, real, real thin wire, and they would drill a hole, and they put dynamite, and they'd pack whatever on top of it. And, and this was wired, and they would stretch out about 50 feet, 75 feet or something, and they had this little gizmo that had two, two twisty knobs on there, and it had some kind of a generator. They had it on top, and they go, like that, and boom! So... Of course, the rocks ripped up the dynamite wire, and when they want dynamite again, they just this stuff was cheap, and they just put it. Well, we go and we'd wind up the dynamite wire, so we would use dynamite wire to hook up the motors and everything, and we and uh, we play for hours and hours and hours. Didn't know how underprivileged we were. We didn't have no. Computers, no electronic gizmos, and we go to my grandma's house, and they had she had big box of these wooden blocks, and they had short ones, and they had one twice as long, and they had three times as long, and and you know, and they had flat pieces and little hooks on them, and you make buildings and oh, kind of you know. I'm not telling you what to get, but I can tell you what. A box of blocks under promises and over delivers. It does. So much for that. Material things. Number three, my Christmas has been hijacked when I lose a realistic view of necessity... And have an insensitivity to the needs of those in the world around me. So I don't know what, I'm not understanding what I need. I don't get that straight. And I, neither do I get straight what somebody else needs, really needs. Can I realistically separate necessities from wants? You know, God does not say, my God shall supply all your wants according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't say that, does it? He promises to meet our needs. So if God promises to meet our needs, should we feel a great big obligation to fill everybody else's wants or expect to have my wants filled? When God works on needs, what do you need this morning? Are we going to have a, we're going to have a quiz here? I was going to do this on paper, but I figured there ain't enough pens around and it'd take too much time in the sermon, whatever. So we're going to do this mentally. All right, what do you need this morning? 
in your mind, answer these questions. How many bedrooms does your house have? Do your mental calculation. I gave it a little bit of time. How many bathrooms does it have? How many cars does your family own? Now, that doesn't include car lots, so we'll leave Wendon off of that one. Unless your house looks like a car lot. How many vehicles does your family own? Ladies, how many dresses do you have personally? Fellows, how many sets of shirts and pants? How many sweaters and jackets? How many coats? How many pairs of socks slash hose? How many pairs of casual and work shoes? How many pairs of dress shoes? How many pieces of sports equipment are at your house? How many pieces of audio equipment? How many computers are there? How many phones? How many smartphones? How many electronic tablets? How many cameras? How many bottles of medications, vitamins, and supplements? How many packages of food are in the freezer? How many small and large appliances? Hair dryers, blenders, all kind of gizmos you plug in. How many pieces of furniture in your house? How many Bibles and books? How many pieces of lawn and garden equipment? How many hospitals within a hundred miles? How many snacks, aside from regular meals, have you eaten in the last month? 
And the next question, how much do I honestly, realistically need? Before I did this survey, I always struggle with, they say, what, what, do you, what, what do you want for Christmas? I guess that's more accurate than needs. I say, what do you want for Christmas? And I don't want to say, man. I, you know, all during the year I have these little things. I, I know it can't be very big, so I, you know, I can't say a whatever. Utility tractor or something ridiculous, whatever. And so this year I'm brushing my teeth, and uh, you know the other day, you know what? I, I need an electric toothbrush. Till I did the survey. No. You know I'm 61 years old. I've used buck and a half toothbrushes for 61 years, or however many it was. I don't really need a $70 toothbrush. <coughs> Number four, my Christmas has been hijacked when I lose the perspective of costs. <clears throat> it's not can I afford to buy or spend X amount of dollars on gifts. But can I afford to lay aside the promptings of the Holy Spirit when I, when He speaks to me about my expressions, personal expressions of the celebration of Christmas? See, that's costing me something. If the Holy Spirit is in all, in, in all of this, we're in trouble. We've been hijacked, okay? So we need to have the Holy Spirit involved here. And am I... Do I understand the cost of not paying attention when He says something to me? Do I understand all the costs involved? You see, there's, there's lots of hidden costs now, not the dollar bill thing, but there's lots of hidden costs when we give our children or each other way too much. The cost of affluence, the cost of getting everything they, they ask for or they want, or their heart would even wish or desire. And they grow up like that with piles and piles of gifts. that are discarded. Junk, broken, or unneeded, or whatever. You see, so there's lots and lots of hidden costs in what we do. Am I honest enough to face those costs. Number five, my Christmas has been hijacked when I lose the value of godly freedom. Selfish Christmas 
produces personal bondage. Selfish Christmases produce personal bondage. Selfish because it's all about me. Selfish Christmases produce spiritual bondage because it leaves out Christ. The center focal point. Selfish Christmases produce social bondage. You've heard it. I've heard it. I hate this thing. I am caught in the middle. I've got to go here, and I've got to have a gift for this person. I've got to have it for the boss. I've got to have it for the secretary. I've got to have it for my, all my fellows, whatever. And, and one, it's like, how many cigarette lighters do I need anyhow? He's got 15 in the drawer. And every, every Christmas he got more cigarette lighters. I don't know what it is for you, but you've heard the story. I've heard the story. The social pressure. When I lose godly freedom, I've been hijacked. And selfish Christmases lead to financial bondage. I've never experienced this. man my brother used to work for with, he said, I hate Christmas. So buy all these stupid Christmas gifts, give them to all my relatives, they don't even need them, and it takes me till June to pay off my, all my Christmas things. And we got some June to November, and then we go through this whole rotten cycle again. You know, that's probably 50 years ago. Well, we got another problem now. Back then, if you didn't have the cash, you didn't spend it. Brothers and sisters, this morning, we have been hijacked. If the only way that I can buy Christmas gifts is put them on a credit card because I don't have the money. I really don't have the money. If I must, if the only way that I can buy Christmas gifts is on a credit card, only way I have been hijacked. I mean, brothers and sisters, this morning, it's bad enough to buy things on credit card you really need. But to buy Christmas gifts on credit cards? Let's not forget, simplicity brings freedom. Simplicity brings freedom. And I've said this before, you know, we have the Northern Catalog, and I just wondered... What would it be like if, if Northern just sent me one of everything in the catalog? You know what? My life would be so complicated. I know everything I'd go to start wouldn't start because it sat there so long without being started. But I, all I get done is charging batteries and, and shooting stuff in the carburetor to get things going. And I, whatever. It's kind of like winning the lottery. If you want to live, if you want to enjoy life, don't win the lottery, please. Don't even play the lottery. Simplicity in our culture is not automatic. We need to do it on purpose. We must do it on purpose. We need to consciously make an effort 
to keep material possessions to a minimum. My Christmas has been hijacked when I cannot find contentment in the greatest gift of all. Now, I emphasize in, not with. Jesus is not an accessory. My Christmas has been hijacked when I cannot find contentment in the greatest gift of all. We as parents need to understand personally. We as parents need to portray to our children. Remember, remember, remember. You know, we may get a gift. You may give a gift. And if it's within reason and everything else, and God honoring and whatever can be, I, I personally don't object to that. But if you're going to get a gift, make sure that everyone understands this is not the focus of Christmas. What is the greatest need of life anyhow? I need this, I need that, I need like a toothbrush, I need a, a, a leaf blower, I need all these things I need, I need, I need, I think I need. And they're, they're tools that are legitimate. I'm not saying that this morning. I'm simply saying I have all these needs, but what will you really need? What is your biggest need? Can you buy it with money? Can you wrap it up in a piece of paper and put a bow on it and hand it to you? No. Could I go out and buy it? No. Is Jesus not only all I need, but all I want? You see, sometimes we get it backwards, unfortunately. We want Jesus, and we say we need that new gizmo or widget or whatever thing. And that's sad. I want to live for Jesus, but I need this new widget or gizmo. Am I content in the greatest gift of all? And the last one, my Christmas has been hijacked when I do not have a personal Magnificat. Magnificat. You know what the Magnificat is? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 1. I have been hijacked. My Christmas has been hijacked if I do not have a personal Magnificat. Luke 1, verse 39. This is before the birth of Jesus.
And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For, lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, This is the Magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For, behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Verse 53. Incredible verse relating to Christmas. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. He spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary was physically pregnant with Jesus Christ. Everyone saw it. Everyone that saw it knew it. It was obvious. There wasn't any hiding it. Am I spiritually bulging with the life of Christ within me? Is it obvious to everybody around me? Does my soul magnify the Lord and rejoice in Christ my Savior? Brothers and sisters this morning, if I am experiencing the fullness of a life of Christ, I will be magnifying Him for the great things He's done for me. And I and you will not celebrate it empty, misdirected, hijacked Christmas.